Let's welcome everybody into the Real Kipper and Bourne Show. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Sammy McKee, Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick for the next two hours. You're stuck with us. Hangout time. Oh, turn my mic on. Off and running. Yeah. Hangout time. Okay, do you always turn in? I don't touch my buttons. My my <laughs> like sometimes you get caught. No, yeah. you always get caught. Yeah. What do you mean? With your off and on button for yeah. your mic. Why yeah. do you shut it on and off? Yeah, you know, you know people don't need to listen to me coughing and hacking <laughs> and sniffing and all the rest. Seasonal. <laughs> the, the, the only time it's really bad is when it's on during the break. Yes, that's when I need to make sure it's off. Yeah. Well, he's on right now and we're glad for it. <laughs> Wherever you're watching and listening on Sportsnet 590, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet Plus from 4 to 6. Let me ask you guys this. Last week before Christmas here. Yeah. Feeling a little quieter around the building. Saw some pizza having out today. I saw tumbleweeds upstairs. There's <laughs> yeah, you, nobody around. You were downtown today, not pretty quiet. Starting to feel like we're winding down here. I had, <laughs> you're winding up. Yeah, I know. I had a neighbor get together christmas get together oh yeah and i came this close to telling you guys yeah uh, today's I'm just done. a no-go for done. you no go <laughs> no go Are you hanging with gibby and the boys was, or what i was with gibby and a few of the boys <laughs> and uh yeah i was like on that cusp line <laughs> Right. I think I'd welcome just a straight up. I don't want to do it. Today. And I'm like, right. oh, I don't want to bail on my boys. Well, there's only one guy here that has missed a show in TV, and it's the guy that probably shouldn't. <laughs> we've, we've, we've remarkably durable show here, every, a bunch of Phil Kessels. You know, every single show until Thursday, you guys will have done every single pre-Christmas show. You wouldn't have missed one. You missed an hour wouldn't, once, and that was miss it. it for the world. It's crazy. Good attendance. Shopping. Like, are you guys shoppers this time of year, or you just let the wife do it? Uh, be honest all right all right i contribute ideas intermittently but yeah no i it's not my domain no way well it's more that like if you're doing it together something's gonna fall through the cracks you need a mastermind at the head of the organization to really take stock of the whole thing absolutely so i'll I'll get divided handed people okay you handle those people yeah so she knows it's off her list but yeah. Have you ever bought a present? Uh, I, I bought more this year than I ever have <laughs> in my life. Really? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. You got all your kids coming home from uh, university. Well, my wife went down last week to see her mom and dad in Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm by myself, and I'm like, I'm no good by myself. No. So Really? I, I went shopping. Atta boy. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, just, you, like, you don't like to be alone? Or you're just no, I was bored? just too quiet, uh, too yeah. just... Cooped up. Cooped so, up. Yeah, I get it. Quick story. Every year, Clark Gillies, uh, you know, for years, you know, God rest his soul, you know, now. But it was a yearly tradition that Clark would get one gift for all the family. They, you get the same thing. And one year, he's talking it up. Oh, you know, like, this is going to be, you guys are going to love this one. This is a good one. Christmas morning, my wife is like, I think we're going to go on, like, a trip. Like, I think he's got us all trips to whatever. <laughs> Snuggies. <laughs> the whole group got snuggies. Like 20? Like, like 15 snuggies or whatever. Except for my brother-in-law who got a autographed Bobby Orr jersey. Because oh! he once mentioned that he liked it. So shout out to Angelo in Boston. Wow. Oh. That was a heartbreaker of a Christmas snuggies. morning, let me tell you. <laughs> I mean, not a terrible gift. But when you're expecting a trip to Peru, yeah. it's a tough... I'm thinking another 10 years, yeah. you're, you're, you're on that program. Yeah. Here, By 15 of them. Yeah, one thing... Oh, I love it. All right. Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, tonight, the New York Rangers, they got three more games to go mm-hmm. for the uh, Buffalo on Thursday mm-hmm. and then back home Saturday night against 
Help Col- me, Sammy. Columbus. No, in Columbus. I in Columbus yeah. on Saturday night. Uh, this one, by far, I think their their biggest test, where yep. they come in, feel really good. Mm-hmm. Rangers, not so much. Almost like a, uh, a role reversal from probably the, the first start of, what, six, seven weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. They've won both of their games since the Leafs pasted them there at Madison Square Garden, and they beat. Boston in one of the games, they beat someone bad in the other game. They won two one. Ducks five one. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, they, and they beat the they beat the Bruins two one in the game where Pasternak tried to kill Lindgren. Um, but yeah, I think you know Kiefer will get to Keith's clips and stuff. But I think probably expect a pretty hard game from the from the Rangers tonight. I will say the the Leafs come into it with a bit better looking lineup. Austin Matthews is healthy. Healthy TJ Brody's back. You know, Lilligren is back as well. So it's first time your decor. You got Riley Brody, McCabe, Lilligren. You feel like you have two legit pairs. Legacy and Timmons is the third pair. Lines are pretty solid and healthy all the way through. You're missing Reeves, but I think the team's better with McMahon there anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to welcome in in about uh, 25 minutes Steve Alicat, who does an amazing job when we have him on. His oh breakdowns, God. whether it's a goaltender or the. Uh, the New York Rangers in general, just a, a fantastic uh, analyst, and we're, we're lucky uh, to have him on board here in, in the next little while here. Uh, John Tavares, guys, will be honored for his 1,000th point that he reached in the island last mm-hmm. week. And uh, candlesticks make a good gift. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I guess. Pure I, gold. I did text Gordo about the, the tea set. Yeah, and it was true. It was a tea set. Yeah, okay. a tea set. I told you yeah, guys yeah, that yeah. a while ago. I like exactly Ming what... Dynasty tea set, or just I'm not like sure. Here, uh... let me just quickly see what Gordo said. But I'm just quickly pulling it up. Uh, he said he gave a silver tea set to Daryl and when and Wendy Sittler for the ten point night, then to Ian and uh, Turnbull for his five goal game by a defenseman. I got Unusu- believe... unusual gift, but an expensive one. I was gonna say it must be like a really high end tea set. Tiffany's. Which... What do you, yeah. you melt it down and sell it? What do you do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> do the tea I don't know. Back then, it, it, people making tea? Someone had mentioned to me maybe about five grand. For a tea set? In, in the 70s. That's like a $30,000 tea set? I don't I'm, know. My inflation math might be a bit aggressive there. I mean, maybe you know Sittler. Give him a text if you still got the tea set. <laughs> 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 so see if he's got a little tea set floating around still. I imagine uh, he would have it. I would imagine Tavares will get the customary silver stick, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. Is that a thousand games though? I don't know. What I else? Know. Yeah, I think it is a thousand games. That's been the tradition. But this is a thousand points. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're they'll, right. They'll get him something nice. They'll get him a nice picture or maybe they'll get him in a He's already played his one thousandth game, has he not? Oh yeah. Yeah, he played it was last year. Remember we had him on last year after he played it. Yeah, yeah, it was on. memorable. I remember that for sure. Yeah. Right. Let's go to Sheldon <laughs> Keefe. Obviously, it was a tremendous honor. On it was a tremendous honor. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe for our first Kipper's Clipper on this milestone of 1,000 points from his captain. It's a great moment for our guys to acknowledge our captain and, and you know, just such an incredible uh, and really rare accomplishment. Uh, yeah, so I think, it's, uh, I think it's great, especially for a guy like John who, you know, uh, doesn't seek any sort of individual uh, accolades or attention or anything like that. Uh, he he does his, a lot of his best work behind the scenes, and a lot of people don't see it, and, and at times uh, take it for granted and such. And then when you, you have a 
you know, a milestone like this and getting to a thousand points is a chance to really appreciate him uh, for for the career that he's had. And, and like I've mentioned before, I think he's got a lot of great hockey ahead here still. And that's, uh, you know, credit to the consistency that he's had through his career. So when you have big milestones and big nights like this, it gives you a pretty clear chance to talk legacy, right? That's what we do. Yes. And I think yeah, it's a fascinating one with me for Tavares because you look at what he has been since he's come here and they signed him and paid him to be John Tavares and he came here and was John Tavares. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people would probably say it's been disappointing since he's come here. Like, I, I don't know which side of it. I uh, really... Maybe the results have been. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, they haven't... I think he was kind of supposed to be the last piece of the puzzle to put them into the Stanley Cup final or make them that kind of that mm-hmm. kind of contender, and they've only been to the second round once. So I, I don't know. It's a complicated one for me. I think what complicates is, is that personally, on you know, from John Tavares, what you thought you were getting in the player, he's been that. Yeah, exactly. He's third in the NHL in faceoff percentage. He has been a point-per-game leaf. He had a 47-goal season. He's been a very good contributor. It hasn't put the team over the hump, and I think that's where the disappointment comes through. But it's tough to look at his contributions since he's come here and say he hasn't delivered on what he was expected to be. Yeah, he hasn't delivered on what he was expected to be. You don't think so? Well, I mean, if we go back to that that famous pajama day, mm-hmm. right? He was catapulted to the second highest paid player in the game. Pajama boy. <laughs> I did. That was not my drop, and that was Derek's. And that that doesn't constitute delivering a point a game, right? It's the perception has to be that you at the time were one of the best players in the world, and I don't think he has ever reached that point. But that's not on him. That's mm-hmm. probably more on. Uh, Kyle Dubas at the time bringing him in and I think everybody had the vision of Marner and Matthews being what Patrick Kane and John Jonathan Taves were in Chicago to build around Mm -hmm. and then Tavares just got wow where did Tavares come from right and Mm -hmm. there was some talk about the Leafs being interested in John Tavares as a free agent but at, at the time as we look back on it and he's going into his second or he's going into his last year next year, was it the right decision? Well, and those to me are not the same conversation. It's not, you know, was it the right decision to me is a separate thing from evaluating Tavar's performance as yeah. a leaf. But, but, but a point of the game doesn't ever get you close to being the second highest paid player at any time. Of your no, career. but there's a couple factors there. And first off, that first year he did score 47 times, which may have been one career year. One ca- career year yeah. there. So that was great. I that, think towards this. That year also made Mitch Marner $11 million. He that helped too. Yeah, um, you know, I think the tail of this contract, people didn't expect to be great. It was like we're paying to have him be here in this front. And I think you expected the cap to be shooting up and lots of people to be passing him by now. And that didn't happen because the, the salary cap. And the other thing is he was a UFA, and you have to pay a premium to get a UFA. You're not spending any other assets, right? You know, trade asset, whatever. So 
some of it is that's just the cost of yeah. getting the high-end UFA. But I, I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. I'm not saying... And I, I, think it was, I, I, think it was, I think it was set up for him to never be able to achieve. That's Unless, of reasonable. course, yeah. you win the cup. they get to a Stanley Cup final. That, right. That's the only way we're going to still measure him moving forward, is I gotta it I got to tell you, you look at the whole time machine of careers, the Montreal injury in that series. I mean, it might it might be a totally different story. Um, Joe yeah, but, Siegel recently wrote something about his legacy here. Yeah. If they have team success, it's wildly different. For sure. And I do think there's a large portion of people that watch the Leafs and talk about the Leafs and fans or whatever that do take them for granted a little bit for in sure. terms of just the consistency and the ability to never make news and never be like – just like be the true professional in the hardest market to do that when you're staring down the barrel of media every day talking for five minutes. I just, you know, I think it's a complicated legacy, and I'm still like, because I love the guy, and the fact that he chose to come to Toronto, mm-hmm. like a lot of Leaf fans will love him forever for that. Like no one really did that. You know, like he was the first one to actually choose to come here. What happens from here, you know, over the next 17, 18 months or whatever yeah. of this contract? It's going to shape how a lot of people look at his time here. If And it's based on nothing he does individually other than team success. Probably, yeah. I mean, if he were to have a crazy good or crazy bad playoff year. Two, you know, like score an overtime winner to send them the first be, round in 20 years or something like that. Second round or something like that. Just continue something. to be a point a game av- average, which is great. And yeah. there, but there's a lot of those guys out there. And... Thousands used to be an automatic, even for the Hall of Fame. Used to be you're getting in with a thousand games, Mm -hmm. thousand points. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, he's uh, so he's 97th in NHL scoring all time in the history of the league, and it's incredible. Yeah, 1,004 points. Let's say he has there's 50 games left for the Leafs. If he has another 40 points. That would take him all the yeah. way up into, like, the 70s all-time scoring. Like, it would yeah. be a big jump for him. Yeah. But. I know, but. He's just. But if he finishes his career, he's not 40th he, all-time in the league. He's a Hall of Famer. He's also 33. Like, he's getting another contract. I think I looked at this contract that it was, you know, you, you talk about the first three years of it, right, fellas? Where you're like, they need to really take advantage of it because the last two years of this contract is going to look really bad. Right. And he just still just looks like John Tavares to me. If I was to He's, ask... Yeah, no, no, no. Go ahead. No, you, go ahead, Kip. If I was to ask you guys where the split is on importance for Hall of Fame between regular season and playoffs, where would you have that split? 50-50? No. 55-45? 60-40? You know, I think as legacies change, the regular season will become more important because there's just too many teams. We've talked about that, and I think it's going to be less important to have had playoff success, whether but, it's the Sedins or Luongo or Alfredson, like the most recent class. All those guys went to the final. But, but if, if, there, if you've got 15 guys, handful of guys that are the same, Ty goes to the runner. Ty goes to the playoff For guy. sure. And that's where he's really under achieved so i've as we're talking about this well yeah his the islanders teams he had no one could have dra- lebron wasn't dragging those teams to the cup no. final you know but like in those days if, if if he's in a race for pavelski 
for a, for Hall of Fame status. Look at Pavelski's playoff numbers compared to Tavares's. He's yeah. played a third more games in the playoffs, and he's probably got almost a third more points. Like Tavares must be at at I don't know fifty games, fifty five games. Like I played thirty six playoff games. He's played he's played twenty five yeah. more playoff games with, with with than me, and he should be. Over 100 more. But the more I think about this, it's not going to be close. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. For sure. Because he, first overall pick in the NHL. Doesn't matter. Does matter. Because it's, you know, it, it's an honor. It's a legacy thing. You're a first overall pick. There aren't that many. Um, he won an Olympic gold medal. And it is the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL Hall of Fame. Olympic gold is going to be on his resume. Um, you know, the all-star appearances. I think he was a heart finalist two years. He's going to How many all-star with- appearances? I don't, I don't know. The All Star Games don't really Two, happen, right? Because there's Olympics. I, you know, I, you're just you're 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 giving me kind of like Olympic gold, a, first overall okay. pick, Olympic gold. He was a third line checking guy. All right. right. I mean, he was on the team. He was so on the team. Gonna, okay. you know, I know. In a country where it's tough to make the yeah. team, he's going to finish with 1,200, 1,300 points, whatever it is, twelve hundred probably and change. I think I think the playoffs now are going to be way more looked upon now as being a difference maker on your status for Hall of Fame. No, and see, he, that's needs, the difference. he needs well, a he, great run in the playoffs. You played in, you said, 30-some games or whatever in the playoffs? Yeah. And I'm not saying this to be disrespectful. There's 21 teams, I think, when you guys... So you had more opportunity. The 16 teams made the playoffs. You made the playoffs three-quarters of the time. And now you make the playoffs half the time. So I think it's just less common... For guys to be able to get in the playoffs a lot. Like, I don't think a guy like Jeff Skinner, who has he ever been in the playoffs? You know, like, I don't think a guy, I don't think you can never make the playoffs. And I think having some playoff success is relevant. He has scored two game seven overtime winners to help his team pass the team. Game six for the Leafs. Game six for the Leafs, game seven for the Islanders. Not that anyone remembers that or anything. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, you look at his playoff games played with the Leafs, and that's what kills his like legacy Game right slide. like it's like seven five half a one three four yeah yeah like if if he had a played in you know 10 or 11 every single one of those years it's a completely different conversation for sure in, it is it's definitely the only thing i think yeah. kip would say if he played 80 playoff played games we'd say yeah, yeah he's in yeah but 55 is stunningly low yeah. for a guy that's played this and long it's just not you got to be difference makers. You got to be a guy that can mm-hmm. show that you stood out in those in those series. I mean, he's forty four. No and there's just I don't know. For me, it's just not enough right now. Mm-hmm. And he needs desperately this season to see a, a conference final or a, a Stanley Cup final to solidify what we're talking about. Yeah, he can make it a no doubter. If like, he just a one deep run, I don't even think they need, they don't need the cup. No, like, like if they go to the a, conference yes. final, and he's a point per game on the way there. It's probably enough. Yeah, and I think, you know, after his contract is done here, which is he has this year and next year left, mm-hmm. right? Is that correct? This year and next year. Yep. So then the question is, after that, it's like he's going to get another one. Someone else is going to pay him. I don't know what. Maybe it's the least. He, maybe he takes the seven fifty. Well, I don't know about that. Not if he's. I mean, he's made a lot of money. 70 points in his last yeah, yeah. year or something. Like, not giving him- Listen, if he was making, I don't know, Four? five and a half yeah. right now, he'd be the king. So true. And that's why the salary cap stinks. We because care. we have yeah. to measure it against what he makes as opposed to what he means to the team. And, you know, I think 
the way that everybody jumped off the bench and the way people all reacted. It seems like they genuinely love the guy on the team. Like, he mm-hmm. seems like he's a worthy captain. It just, I don't know, a lot of times it seems that the team takes on his personality, right? And it's like, what's that, quiet? I was saying, you quiet. don't love that. That's, Reserved. I mean. yeah. That's, That's not I mean. a good thing. That's no. what I mean. I'm just, I'm weighing right? both sides of this here, boys. Yeah. It's a fascinating conversation to me because it's yeah. one of the most unclear legacies for a captain of a team to me than any, like, that you could have. I always found it weird that when they signed him, they waited a year for for uh, to name a captain o- over a season. Did they not? Well, we know what happened. They're right. going to give it to Matthews, yes. you think, and then yeah, he then, blew it. Yeah, then he. You know. Is that really like you just spent eleven million dollars on this guy, and you were going to make Matthews the captain over him? I think Matthews. Well, Matthews is, is. Yeah, I think he was just going to be like the stud guy who gets to be the seed. He's the best player. He gets. The I seat. just. I, I. I found that whole. I would love one day to, to be old and gray and talk to Brendan Shanahan and say, "Okay, what, what really happened? What really happened? Why? Why? Probably why? like you know. Let's see if Austin matures into this captaincy yeah. thing. He'd love to give it." We said this on the show, you and I, and I've made the case. There's no doubt that MLSE, the Toronto Maple Leafs, everyone wants to sell 34 with a C on the chest at some point. I think 44 with a C on the chest probably would be yeah. a better choice. I just, Which one's selling more I don't know, man. Yeah, you're right. I, I, just spent 11 mil, I just spent $77 million on this guy, and you're telling me that he's not a sure bet to be my captain. When he was the captain of the Islanders... Yeah. For ten years, I guess, and you're telling me you're he waiting got it, for he, he got it in the way that Matthews did, as the, like the young prodigy who's first overall, who's probably not ready for it. And that's how you end up with it all those no, years. But it's something I haven't really thought of since the, then. But Kipper does have a point. They should have just given it to him right away. Right away. I, but that's the whole thing: is the guy's never been in the dressing room. How do you make yeah. him the captain? Who no one even knows who he that's is. A good point and too. now, I don't know where here's I'm your <laughs> captain. You guys are making it's good been points before, today. Mark Messier. Mark well, Messier, I mean, come on. Yeah. Comes in there the with just, yeah, dragging his knuckles because <laughs> they're weighed down by rings. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's the captain. Now, in hindsight, has Austin proved at this point of his career he's never going to be a captain type of player? No, he'll be the captain. I think he'll be the captain. He I will. think it happens yeah. with the, the, when Tavares signs for three times four million and they make him Three an assistant times. captain. One million. Oh, is that what it's going to be? Yeah. And is it based solely on best, most talented player? Well, when he has, when he has, uh, gets the captain. When he like has two cups in minor hockey for no. When his, with his two cups, when he wins two cons, mice will be obvious for him to be the captain when his contract is because up. Because you would like, <laughs> you would like the guy who is your captain to be the person that everyone's looking at to follow. Yeah. To be the face of the franchise, the guy who plays 23 minutes a night, to be the guy who's out there. But the not big the guy minutes. to get ragdolled or smile at other people <laughs> too, right? I don't like it either, Kevin. I If I had a vote, it would be Riley would be the captain. I think if we could all run this back to when they made the decision, Morgan Riley's probably the guy. Love Morgan. I like Morgan too. What a conversation, boys. <laughs> Uh, All right, well, regardless of any letter he's wearing on his jersey, he's back in tonight. TJ Brody's back in Mm -hmm. as well. And strength in numbers. I think they maybe proved something to themselves the other night against Pittsburgh that they can look like a team from top to bottom and less of Mm -hmm. a team that relies on three guys to, to put the puck in the net, four guys. Yeah. And everyone got involved. That was uh, 
you know, they're going to need that against a Ranger team that is deeper and has a really good decor. Do you want to get a little prep from Sheldon Keefe? And all right, let's do Keefe. Tell us about the Rangers and what the, the Leafs will need. Yeah, probably the greatest challenge would be that we faced them last week and we had a good night in their, in their building and they're a great team that uh, has had a great season and has been a good team in the league for, for a number of years for good reason. And you, you know, you'd expect them to bounce back here tonight as they have bounced back and played very well since that game we've played them. So we'll expect them to be at their best in terms of the challenges. You know, they've got great goaltending. Uh, special teams are, you combine the power play and penalty kill or, you know, among, among if not the best in the league. And, uh, you know, they've, they've got some very dangerous players that dominate play when they're out there. So we've got lots to lots to manage, but... You know, our hope would be that we can get another good start here tonight. Um, a good start the other day, but a good start in New York and want to try to take a hold of the game early. Are we just at the point now where the Leafs could be playing a peewee team and he'd find really good things to say about them? Like, they're they're really short, but they're fast. <laughs> yeah. they got a lot of passion. Low center of gravity. <laughs> in fairness, the Rangers are at first place in the Eastern yeah, Conference. Real, well, like, he went on a big, long diatribe about how great Columbus is offensively the last time. So he'll do it with anyone. But I think the yeah. Rangers, what do you make I don't a, think anyone's uh, given up more goals than them in the month of December, guys. The they've, Rangers? Yeah. Really? Oh, no. There's, they've, they've given up some large numbers to Ottawa, San Jose. Leafs, obviously. Leafs. One, uh, one in their last two. One yeah. each. No, they look a lot better. And we're, we're going to welcome in uh, uh, Steve Aliquette, and we'll ask him which, which Ranger uh, team he's anticipating seeing tonight uh, against the Leafs, but uh, they hiccuped for a good stretch here in the last couple of weeks, but maybe a couple of wins against uh, Anaheim and Boston have yeah. strengthened them up, but I don't know what team we're going to see tonight. Yeah, and yeah, to your point, you know, in this month they've lost to the Capitals, the Senators, um, you know, some other... LA. Buffalo, you know, like, yeah, it's 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 not been perfect for them and given up some goal totals, so... I think that is, you know, Keith's got a good point that that's one of the scary things. It is a good team that need, knows they need to right the ship Qu- here. Quickly, before we get to Valley, Martin Jones gets to start tonight. He does. Surprise? Uh, Surprises? I, I didn't know what to expect, so I can't yeah, be surprised either I, way. I think he cannot take a chance. He's got to go with the guy that he feels safer with, and that is Martin Jones. <laughs> and he's got two chances, Buffalo and Columbus, on Saturday night to to go back to see what kind of work Samsonov's yeah. done all week. Yeah, it's hard. You know, you guys know I made the case why I would start Samsonov tonight. But yeah. I get it. You, you feel better with Jones right now. Play Jones. I can't be mad. He's just gonna look. It's just gonna look better at least. Yeah, four may go in, but it's not gonna like <laughs> drive you up the wall. Fair enough. All right, all right. We take a quick break here. Yes, sir. And we'll welcome in Steve Alicat, analyst for the New York Rangers on MSG, as he helps us tee up. Tonight's contest, New York Rangers versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Back after these words. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Real Kipper and Born Show. Steve Aliquette, ready to rock yeah, and roll. Our guy. We've got him on the Zoom call. Look at the Christmas lights in Manhattan. There's a guy scene. who's got all his shopping done. 
Uh, true. Oh, good. True. And I went with uh, this is the first of three Christmas outfits for show for the TV. So you know you're trying to get into the spirit on the walk over as you pass Macy's and all the nice storefronts. Nice, nice. So listen, where where's the New York Rangers spirit coming into tonight's game? We know last week not so good against uh, a Toronto Maple Leaf team that had no problem filling the net. Uh, Am I right, Valley, when I say the Rangers were one of the worst teams for giving up goals in the month of December and no one, including me, never really saw that coming? But where, where is this team right now as they face the Toronto Maple Leafs, by the way, is one of the hottest teams going right now? Yeah, so that's going to capture their attention. I think this is one of those games where isn't it just as big for Toronto as it is for New York because both of them want to prove that they're cup contenders? New York is a cup contender if you look at face-offs, specialty teams, if you look at the way they play in their own zone, but not off the rush against. They're having difficulty still just shutting that down. You saw it last week when they played the Leafs. There was four rush goals against in that game. If they can figure out a way to have some risk when it's necessary to go forward with it and just shut it down and not chase outside the dots, absorb the rush rather than just be stationary and stagnant. The Austin Matthews goal, the first goal of the game against the Leafs last week was terrible. And it it was just a a reflection of what had been looming for them in the games before that. They do have so much talent on that back end with Fox and Lindgren, Miller and Truba. Like that's a really good decor. I do want to ask about Ryan Lindgren, who has seemed to get crushed. I, you know, no, it wasn't just the McCabe hit. He got hit by, pasta by it was like four times in a three-game span he's typically a pretty physical guy on the other side of those isn't he well he was sending a text message <laughs> is that what's happening <laughs> i walk i have a 15-minute walk from grand central to msg do yeah. you know how many people that blow up on the sidewalk that are texting <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> I, i've got 20 more pounds on me than i did when i was playing in the league so and, and I look, the guy has the pain tolerance of a cadaver. He's going to get up every time and <laughs> yeah. get back out there. But he, uh, look, I was talking, it's funny because I get text messages from Aaron Voros, from uh, Brian Boyle. Like all the guys are texting me as soon as it happens, right? Because the league's changed. And uh, I don't know if you guys have ever thought about it from a goalie's position, but um, how many times do you think I've seen D come back for the puck? Yeah, right? Zillion. Exactly. And I know what it looks like and I know how it should look when you're good. I can see them shoulder check. I can see them angle. I'm always talking to them. I wonder if Shesterkin's not loud enough because you shouldn't get plastered like that, fellas, if you're a goalie in there and you're yelling the right way. We have clear, designed, on-the-spot language that we use back there so we protect each other. Same goes for me when I'm out there playing the puck. It's spinning on the boards. You know how hard that is? I'd have guys say, like, hey, man, you got to get that on the glass. I'm like, dude, that thing was spinning a mile an hour. Like, yeah. it was crazy. But, uh, no, like, I hear you. Those those type of hits in the game, it's either you don't have spatial awareness, you're putting yourself in a bad position, or maybe you want a call. and uh, Or you want the refs to protect you. So, I'm still old school that way. Yeah. When it comes to star players, uh, we, we know the Rangers have, you know, Quite a few, uh, and Panarin seems to be a lot happier than he was in the in the previous years. Uh, is is he tailed off a little bit here in the last little while, or is he on his way to a career year? 
No, I think he'll be all right. Um, the narrative for the first month anyway was that he was getting inside, and that means uh, getting his teammates inside or being inside himself. He's still doing it. It's just uh, he's actually been snake bitten a little bit for the last couple of weeks. He wasn't on that same pace. Nobody's going to shoot at that same percentage. Um, I'm not worried about him. You know, we talked a little bit offline, Kipper, you and I, uh, the last game, and the hard part I have right now is that um, I'm measuring this team against every single Stanley Cup winner over the last five years, and I'm trying to find the dog in the top guys. Ooh. And uh, I loved your conversation uh, two weeks ago. You guys started talking about the alpha dog. I agree with that 100%. Because I've been in summer camps with guys like Nathan McKinnon, and I'm talking about like eight years ago where I'd say, yep, that guy's going to win a cup someday. Mm-hmm. The room with Sidney Crosby. Yeah, he's going to win a couple. And this is before the uh, 16 and 17 season. You can see when guys are led by their best player. And I think that matters if you're an offensive guy, but you play the right way and it sends a message to everybody in the group. And um, Mark Stone would be another one that I'm thinking of from last season. Those types of guys up front. Uh, Panarin's not that guy. Zabanajad's not that guy. Kreider's not that guy. Um, and I'm hoping they either find it in them, if it's possible, is, uh, is, that's is, the only thing I wonder about. Valley is is Truba that guy? But again, we've seen we've we've seen te- players like this on teams from different eras. But if their talent just caps them only so far, it doesn't help them, right? Be that alpha dog. Well, yeah, and it it reflects what style you play in the playoffs. If you remember last year against New Jersey. Guys, uh, Panarin got inside his teammates inside the ice once all series, twice himself as a shooter. Like, it was just a perimeter series. And, Mm. look, you you lose when you're up two games to nothing against New Jersey last year. You lost the year before when you were up 2-0 against Tampa Bay in the Eastern Conference Final. And, you know, I want somebody to just go out there and take it at this point because uh, I'm getting older. So if if (laughs) – If you're looking for that, it can come from two places. Can you learn that? Like, can it be developed over the frustration of not getting through? Or can it come from the next wave of guys? Can Lafreniere have some of that? Or, you know, whether it's Heedle or Kako or any of those young guys, can they they become that? Yeah, well, I do know they do have it in Truba. Uh, He has it. I mean, you'll see him, and he's got it in him. I have no question about him. Anything. He's playing awesome, too. I mean, he was the best defender on the ice against the Bruins in their latest win. Um, the only thing to me is, is uh, and, and Panarin's trying, guys. Like, the guy yeah. shaved his head this summer to just, like, be a different person. He wanted to come out. <laughs> fresh start. Fresh start. And he's been as good as you could possibly be for, uh, for a guy with that type of skill. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, when you think about... Uh, 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 the goal scoring department. You think about a, a guy like Kreider. Uh, is he still owned in the front of the net like he did last season? Is that is it still a, the most dangerous area for him? Yeah, it's legit. No, he's. Um, I actually keep a lot of my scoring chances myself from the company that we have, but it's all gridded ice, so we can see eight foot radius around the net. Who's there most often? What types of chances, deflections, etc. Um, he's always in front of the net. You'll see it tonight. He's there all night. He's kind of what JT does the same thing. Tavares does the same thing that Kreider does. I would say that Kreider, that particular spot, he does it a little bit better. Um, but overall, like, you know what, guys, if I was explaining offense to young hockey players, uh, I would explain it like this. What you want to accomplish on the ice 
is not allowing the goalie to have half of a second of clear sight on the puck. So how do you do that? You can do it with one-timers. Mika Zibanejad has nine goals this year. Every one are off a one-timer. He never allows a goalie to capture half of a second of clear view on the puck. Now, that would be when the goalie's in motion. If the goalie's not in motion and he's locked in on you, then it's deception or shooting through a screen the way Matthews does and allows somebody to come in. So again, you're obstructing the goalie's view by using one of his own teammates to screen him. Uh, Deflections, broken plays, you're doing whatever you can to not allow a goalie to have half of a second of clear view on the puck. And that's what we're trying to do as goalies too. We're doing the same thing except the opposite. We're just always trying to set our feet, trying to cancel screens, trying to manage broken plays. So when I watch the Rangers play, I feel like they don't have a conflict at all with those two things. They understand how to score. That's why they execute at a high level. I'm not worried about them scoring. I'm really not. I, my biggest concern with the team, and I'm talking about because the bar is so high, I'm talking about a Stanley Cup championship. Mm-hmm. They have to defend better off the rush. And so, I'd love yeah. to see an alpha dog, but outside of those two things, I mean, look, nobody's perfect. You guys know what it's like. Go around the league. Everybody has their awards. Yeah. But the Rangers, I'd love to see an alpha dog with somebody up front. Love to see them defend better off the rush. Shesterkin as well. We haven't talked about the goaltending. Um, he's playing tonight, guys. This is a massive start for him. It's a huge start for him. He's coming off a solid game against Boston in Boston, um, but it's been shaky for him. And uh, who's going in net for you guys? I don't even know yet. I'm still don't waiting. Worry, you know? worry. They're sending Martin Jones at you. So, okay, okay. Yeah, he's, he's hey, hot hand. One time, a guy that made $6 million uh, a year, uh, 27 wins last year, albeit most of them were in the first half, if I'm not mistaken, Valley. And then he tailed off a lot, but... Yeah. Still a better choice than probably what's out there for uh, other organizations in the third spot. Yeah, one hundred percent. I was actually I was looking at a lot of. I fell down a Samsonov hole today. Oh my goodness! Oh good, give us what you got. Um, oh my! <laughs> so you know what? You know what data I really like right now is data that would reflect uh, the psychology or the mental strength of the athlete. Okay, yeah. so put yourself on the bench. You guys just came off the ice, hard shift. You you left it out there. And uh, you get to the bench, you're up by one, and your goalie gives up a bad goal. Bad feeling, right? Yeah. So nobody has allowed more bad goals when your team is up this year than Samsonov. And he has the worst save percentage over the last three years. So what his biggest challenge is, to me, it's psychology. It's can you mentally game states, right, guys? It's a different thing for a goalie, I have to tell you. If I'm up 4-2 to two in the third period, it's different than being scared score tied at 2-2 or being down 4-2 like there's there's three different things and it makes you feel different um I would look into if I was him what's going on with with me and where am I mentally when our team is up is it I can't play with those expectations why do I take a nosedive when I'm supposed to seal it and um to that point, Shesterkin, I was looking at the same thing. What's going on with him this year? He hasn't had his best stuff yet. Mm-hmm. But it's Vesna Trophy year. He's the best goalie in the league. He has a 923 save percentage with score tied. 923 on his scoring chances. Last year, it drops to 905. This year, it's back to 914, so not bad. But then I look a little further, and I'm looking at what types of goals. And then you look at the state of the game, too, because you're looking at third periods. Um, the one thing I saw with Shesterkin that was alarming was when the score goes against him and he's down by one, 
it's a steep drop off from that point. So he has a hard time when the game gets away from him. If it's a even score, he'll he'll give you the big save. He'll stop a breakaway at score three three in the third. But it's when the game gets away from him, and I think that's also his expectations because you know since he came in the league, he started nine and one in the league. He's got Vesna Trophy. He wants to be the best player on the ice every night. Yeah, it's like an engagement thing at that point. So you know, can, the- can I stay on Samson on for a second? Please do. Yes. Uh, all right, Valley. You, you opened it up, man. Uh, I find this stuff absolutely fascinating, and I want to ask you that we're 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 getting through Christmas right now. Here's a guy that struggled at training camp. He's had ample time to turn things around. He's going to go into the new year with a ton of question marks, including that stat you just dropped on our show. Yeah. How long do the Leafs wait to to have Samsonov come back to where they're comfortable? comfortable going into the playoffs what are the odds that he can find what he had last year if he's still dealing with the things that you just spoke of you ever see tom hanks's movie the money pit oh yeah two weeks (laughs) (laughs) hey i'm building a house right now i know i know we all are we're trying to we're trying to win something here two weeks two weeks Two weeks. Uh, the plumbing just went. The electrician will be back. Two weeks. Um, here's here's where I would start, and this is the foundation. Samsonov, why is he fifth worst in the NHL this season in safe percentage on screens? Just watch the goals. What's he doing wrong? Is he getting low too soon? Is he not looking over the strong side shoulder? There is some technical play there that the coaches can help him with. Slot area save percentage on the clear-sighted shots. Now, think about this. You're defending, right? You've got your guy because you don't want the pass to get across. You're passing off the shot to the goaltender. Need a save there. Mm -hmm. And he's got the worst save percentage in the NHL this year and last when it's a little bit of time and space for the clear shot when the guy gets to the slot. So, to me, again, it's like we got to talk about, I think there's a place for the there's three pillars to goaltending, fellas. It's technical, it's physical, and it's mental. And we talked about the psychology of it. There's definitely some technique in there. He does some goofy stuff out there at awkward times, you know, and does it incorrect. And you wonder, is that the mental getting in into the technical? And is it interrupting what he should be doing? And that's not his game plan. So everybody's got something going on. Um, I was looking at Jones just in case it was him tonight. I thought it would be. And... Uh, the reason why Martin Jones wasn't back in the league this year, it was his high glove side. Uh, he gave up 27 over the high glove. Do you remember the Wheeler goal that we had last week? Yes. When he, So I'll, I'll explain this quickly if we have time. Am please I going too please do. So goalie's in the stance, right? Um, when a goalie poke checks on a breakaway, do you know why goalies do that? Because they don't have the confidence to play you straight up. Okay. The, the, there's no confidence there. When I see a guy poke check, I'm like, oh, this guy's a joke. He can't, he doesn't believe in himself to stop a breakaway. All right. So one thing that really matters to me too, is what is your default save? Every goalie has a default save. Default save sometimes kicked in, kicks in when you're nervous, kicks in when you're getting blown up in a game. Sometimes it's when you don't believe you can make a save straight up the same way I just said on the breakaway. So that Wheeler goal that goes over his glove I've seen Jones a long time. His default save, his guessing save, is right knee down, and then this happens, and he gets broken, and it goes right here, mm-hmm. right? And um, his save percentage, percentage last year, high glove, 69.3% save percentage. 
fifth worst in the league. So that's I think that's a part of it though. Shesterkin's having a hard time up top too. He's got he's got a lot up top. But it's as you go through this league, there's enough time spending uh, scouting report hours. Like I talked to an NHL coach last week. He said we have six on our staff. We're spending five hours each on a scouting report before our next opponent. That's what was, that's where our time goes. I'm like, oh my god, like that's. So I'm trying as a company to make their time a little easier, find these things, get to the video sooner. But uh, it's all there, fellas. I mean, you just have to – It's I never look at analytics this way, guys. I don't look at it like it's the answer. It's just a pathway to watch the video so that people with the eye, the expert, uh, expertise, guys like us. You know, <laughs> that's what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, so you are the CEO of ClearSight Analytics, and I've noticed you've used the, the phrasing ClearSight a number of times, you know, when discussing goaltending. What is it that you – set out to do and find and see that public data is not able to, to give to people. Yeah. So the, the hard part with, well, public data doesn't uh, account for screens. So right. we have to pay our taggers uh, a good sum of money every night to do every game and every shot. But what they're ultimately doing is was the goalie screened or not. It's mm-hmm. a big piece because if the goalie screened and it's from the slot area, it goes in 37% of the time. If the goalie is not screened on a clear-sighted shot from the slot area, you wouldn't believe how infrequent it goes in. Nine percent. Wow. Nine. And that's why those ones that I'm talking about with Samsonov, those are ones he has to have. And Johnson OT. <laughs> Sorry. That's where I think guys break down. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, you break down because then what do you do defending? You're um, trying to close on that guy that's about to shoot because you don't trust your goalie, and then he throws it through your triangle. But uh, the clear sight, guys, it came from – the idea, if you research uh, the quiet eye theory, Joan Vickers, uh, University of Alberta, this is going back 30 years where there was a mobile eye tracker that she created, and she established a benchmark where NHL goalies, when they would have half of a second of clear view to lock on a puck without movement, they'd stop the puck 97% of the time. And if you're a basketball player and you're looking to the back of the rim, uh, the, the basketball player with the longest gaze through that shot is the most successful. The golfer that looks at the back of the ball, the longest through their swing is the straightest. And it, it, it really was fascinating. And I thought, from my perspective, after 236 games on the bench in the NHL, where I'm always looking at all these shots a different way and having to talk to my goalie partner afterwards, it was a good way to be able to say, I want a definition for every shot that hits the net. Mm-hmm. I want a clear definition and a name. And that's what I did. I have 42 different shot types. So any shot that hits the net tonight, there's a description for it. There's a name for it. It's bucket, uh, bucketed accurately so that you can have a historical average and save percentage. See, if this summer you should try looking at the ball. <laughs> See if that helps. <laughs> Valley. No, it, it, it's all head position, guys. It's all head position. Any good goalie in the NHL, when the puck comes across their body, you'll see a straight line from their head over their knee. And uh, watch a good skater. When they cross over, you're not going to see their head come up. You yeah. see them drive through the rotation. It's, it's everywhere in sports. My son's a pitcher. His, his pitching coach talks about all the time, how he's got to throw and come downhill with his head angle. Hey, where, where's our breakdown of our show over the course of an hour? Is it Sammy when he reads game time? Like, what are the percentages? <laughs> what are the percentages? How, how, much, how much do they drop over the course of an hour on our show? Hey, you guys know, I, I love watching you guys when I'm on. 
<laughs> yeah, the you, you and Doug McClain. Hey, I mean, hey, I'm like the fifth Beatle on your show. We should have like Eric Brandale give me a couple of drops when I need them. Love it. Love it. 100%. Valley, great stuff as always, man. Enjoy the game tonight and uh, always fun having you on. Uh, my pleasure, fellas. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Valley. Appreciate it. Steve Valiquette does an amazing job with MSG and there's Find, more finds ways to make Hendrik Lundqvist look good. There's more information in a Valaket interview. Like, you would need to go through that frame by frame to break it all down. Did you, write, did you write down the Samsonov one that he gave? Which one? Was it the, when they're tied? Yes. What was it again? It Over was the last three years, he's, uh, when they're down a goal, he is the fifth worst save percentage. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> Sorry, all you can say. Uh, when they're up a goal, when they're up a goal, he has a which is worse. Yes, because you're letting him back See, in. And here I am, not a huge analytics guy, and I'm just like he's. I'm soaking that all. That's in. not analytics. No, that's well, just one hundred percent useful stuff. Useful. That's but no, no, that's letting in goals at a bad time. That's not analytics. That's like that's as bare bones hockey yeah, as it gets. Yeah, but he said it. It's uh, it says Analyzing everything you need to numbers. know with what maybe is going on in his head. Yeah, how he's kind of talking himself out of just. Staying in the zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a that's the trick, though, is to take those numbers and go, what does it mean? Well, this uh, could be a mentally fragile goaltender. We're talking about if Tavares is a Hall of Famer. There is no doubt Valley is a Kipper and Bourne Hall of Famer. Yeah, oh, he, for is. Valley. he is. For sure. Okay, once again, our thanks to Steve Valaket, analyst for the New York Rangers. In the next hour, we're going to welcome in Keith Jones, president of hockey operations for the Philadelphia Flyers. Most surprising team? Yes. By a lot? Yeah. Yeah. I got Winnipeg up there, boys, for me. Yeah, Winnipeg, Philly, Montreal's 14-13. One game over. Oh, five to Tampa Bay, according okay. to Sammy. Plenty more <laughs> still to go on the real Kipper and Bourne show. Don't go away. We'll be right back.